Praise God. And I'm glad to have my brother and sister-in-law in service with us today. And uh, there's very few times that they've been able to be with us. And I was thinking about it today. It seems like every time they've been here in the past, I've had somebody else already scheduled to preach. But I, I jumped the gun this time and asked him if he was going to be sticking around for Sunday service. And he said that he was. And so we're going to hear from my brother today. And uh, we love him, love my sister-in-law. Fact is, uh, my sister-in-law was a friend before she was ever a sister-in-law. Her brother was my best friend growing up. And he and I spent hours and hours together. And he stayed at my house and I stayed at his house. And uh, we did a whole lot of things together. I was so thrilled a few years ago when I got a phone call from him. He had been backslidden for 30 years probably something like that and he called me one day in fact I was in the Walmart parking lot and he called me and he said I just wanted to tell you I received the Holy Ghost yesterday and uh, I couldn't help but break down in tears right there I was so thrilled to hear it and uh, so glad and he's been doing good back in church and uh, him and his wife were separated they're back together she's in church and we're just so thankful for that amen but i'm glad to have my brother curtis here and uh, and his wife and we're going to hear from them and if they want to sing um I, I i tell everybody that that my brother my oldest brother got all the talent and my youngest brother uh got all the looks and it just didn't leave me with anything and uh that's just that's just the way that it it happened in my family you know the middle child you just don't get a whole lot uh everybody else gets everything it's just the way it is but anyhow if they want to sing today i'd love for them to do that uh, it's early and there's nothing else on the agenda except just worshiping god and hearing from his word today and so i want him to come and uh and preach to us today praise god we love you curtis i'm glad you're here Praise the Lord, everybody. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today with you. It, it's exciting to me. It's the first Christmas that we've been together in longer than I can remember. Been a long, long time. It's Y'all can be seated. Uh, Pastor mentioned that there are some who don't celebrate Christmas. That's their choice. I'm fine with that. And the, the reasoning is that Christmas originated as a pagan holiday. My thought is, okay, if I can take something away from the devil and turn it into something that gives God glory, I'll just do that. It just gives me another reason to praise him because it takes away. The devil takes enough away from people. So let's just take a little bit away from him. I have given them a track back there. If we can make it work, we're hoping it will.
He giveth more grace when the trials are many. He giveth more strength for the need. friend you know the measure thank you sweetie the measure of a friend to me is not what you are today 
The measure of a friend to me is when I haven't seen you for 20 years and we meet and the friendship picks up right where it left off. There's never been a break. The times that I have stumbled and fallen, the times that I've made mistakes, when I pick myself up and he brushes me off and cleans me up, my relationship with him picks right back up where it was. He never looks down on me. He never pushes me aside. He has always been a friend. Hallelujah. It's an honor to be here. My brother, who is younger in years, and he likes to point that out quite often. But quite a, Don't get carried away. But he is my elder in the church. He got the Holy Ghost before I did. And really and truly, just being honest, he consecrated earlier than I did. I... Uh, it took me a while to get a hold, Brother Hilton, of, of what I really needed to get a hold of. But I'm thankful that the Lord was patient, and he helped me, and is still helping me. And thank you, Pastor. While I'm here, you are my pastor, so thank you, Pastor, for allowing me this opportunity. It's not a light thing when a man allows you to stand behind his pulpit. And I take it very seriously. I want to, and this is not going to be a Christmas message, I promise. But I want you to turn, if you would, in the Word of God to Luke chapter 2. And we'll start reading in verse number 1. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then just a portion of one more verse if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. I got a simple thought for this Christmas Eve service. More, just more. Pastor, would you pray over this service?
Amen. You can be seated. This particular passage in Luke is probably read more at this time of year than it is any other time because we are together celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. But let's just be honest. That particular moment of his birth was less than an illustrious entrance into this world. It was actually kind of shameful. I mean, at that time and in that culture, it would have been common to go to the city of David, the home of his family, and lodge with someone related. My brother and I were talking yesterday. We remember one Thanksgiving that we had 40 people show up at our house. And they spent the night. And we had people sleeping on the couch. We had people sleeping under the table. The kids were sleeping in chairs. There were people everywhere, but it was family. And family always takes care of family. We don't know why when Joseph got to Bethlehem. We don't know the exact reason nobody talks about why he went looking for a hotel. Was it to get away from the gossip? I know none of y'all have family that do this, but I got family that would have been kind of looking at them out the corner of their eye going, well... Let's see, they're only engaged and she's... Here you have a young lady who's a spouse to this man, but she's pregnant and about to have the baby and the numbers don't add up. So was it the shame? Was it the gossip? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The fact remains that family was not there for them. My daddy always told us that family is all you really have. You don't have to like them. You don't have to like their choices or their way of life. But they're family and you always love family and you never turn your back on family. Now let me just say this. We are the family of God. And this place... The family of God, the church of God, should always be a safe place. Because whether you're my brother in the flesh or by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're still my family and you should be able to come to me and I ought to show you the love of God. If I claim to have the Holy Ghost and God in me, God is love. I am not going to chase rabbits. I promise. But we know that they went to the hotels of the day and there was nothing available. He's brought his expecting wife to the city of his father's. They have a stable to bed down in. Days of travel. Riding on a donkey. And they get there. Now, I can't imagine that being comfortable any time. But bless her heart, she's pregnant. By the time they're ready to have a baby, I don't know of any woman in the world that is comfortable. It doesn't matter where they are. 
sitting down, laying down, it don't matter. They're not comfortable. Riding on a donkey for days in that state, she was looking for someone. She wanted a sleep number. And all she got was a stable. Just a stable. For the illegitimate son of a carpenter, that would have been fine. But he was more. And he will always be more. The nation of Israel had looked for a Messiah that would come as a warrior king and would break the chains and the bondage of those who had oppressed them for years. That's what they were looking for. But he was more. The chains he would break were not made of iron and the prisons he would open were not made of stone because he was more and he will always be more. John the 11th chapter, it's a very familiar story. Certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, these three people were friends with Jesus. More than just friends, they loved one another. But Mary and Martha looked at Jesus as a teacher. They revered him because he was a healer. But that was the extent of their relationship with him. When Lazarus got sick, they turned to Jesus because he was a healer. But he was more. They sent for him. And they used his love for Lazarus as a tool to kind of twist his arm a little bit. Jesus, the one you love, he's sick. And Jesus did not come. Because all they saw him as, all they were calling for, was the healer, the teacher, the less of him that they understood. But he was so much more than what they knew. He was so much more than they could ever imagine. All they wanted was just a healing. But Jesus had more in mind. Do you know sometimes I believe that the reason we don't get prayers answered is because we're asking for less than what he wants to give us. They ask for a healing. Come and heal him, Jesus. He said, no. He stayed where he was at for two days. Then he said, okay, let's go. He's dead. He's sleeping. Let's go. And when they got there, they were upset because what they had asked for, what they had hoped for, just a healing they had never gotten. And their problem is now dead and buried and stinks. Just roll away the stone. Uh, no. Let me tell you, it is not a good thing to ever tell God no. Right. 
When I was much younger, and that seems to be easier to say day by day, when I was much younger and my hair was much thicker, I combed it back in a televangelist pompadour kind of thing. Took me longer to do my hair than it did my wife. I'm just being honest. My hair was a source of pride for me. And I was in service, Balt Springs, and the Holy Ghost is moving. And God spoke to me and said, roll. And I said, no. The Lord said, roll. I said, no. It'll mess me up. Third time, I heard him say, roll. And the third time, I said, no. And he left me alone. For three months, he left me alone. I couldn't find God. I'd pray, I'd weep, I'd cry, and I couldn't get a touch from God. And finally in church one night, I said, God, whatever it takes, I will do whatever you want, but I got to feel you. And God said, roll. And I said, no. And I went, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I've been down this road already. And I said, okay, God, here we go. And when I hit the floor, the power of the Holy Ghost overwhelmed me in a way that I'd never felt before in my life. Jesus said, roll away the stone. They said, no. Sometimes there are things in our life that block the holy power of God from doing what it wants to do because we're afraid it's too much for him. He's dead, God, and not only dead, but he stinks. Let me just tell you today, it doesn't matter how bad your problem stinks. If you will move the stone out of the way, he'll be more than your problem. He'll be more than the odor. He'll be more than just a healer. He will be the resurrection and the life. He's more. He's more. They only wanted a healing. Now, healings happen. Healings take time. Miracles? Boom. It's done. They would have sufficed for Jesus to make the journey, arrive, Lazarus is sick, pray for him, and a healing comes. Days of recovery. You know, it's amazing to me. We go to a doctor he gives us a prescription. Now take these pills for the next 10 days. And we're okay with it taking 10 days for the healing to come. But we walk into the house of God and we come up for prayer. And we get prayed for and if it's not wham, bam, there's a miracle. We're upset with God. We're upset with the preacher because it didn't happen. You didn't ask for a miracle. You asked for a healing. He's more than just a healer. He is the miracle worker. He'll do it for you just like he did it for Lazarus. He is more than what you asked for. He will always be more. Matthew chapter 8. You know the story. Jesus and his disciples entered into a boat. 
They got out onto the sea and there was a storm that came up. The Bible said the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. I've been on boats on the ocean. Not big boats, just a fairly small charter boat. And the waves got to going a little bit. That horizon got to bobbing up and down and I don't know how anybody could have slept, but he was asleep, middle of the storm. You know, there's something about peace in the midst of a storm. He, was, he wasn't worried about it, but they were. They'd just come from miracles, and they'd been walking with him and seeing him heal blinded eyes and do all of these great things, but now a storm comes along, and they're afraid of the storm. And they're irritated with Jesus. Now, I'm just being honest. I don't know if I would be bold enough to be irritated at Jesus. I've walked with him all these years. I've seen what he's done, and all of a sudden, he's not doing what I want. So I'm going to get irritated. We would never do that, would we? All these years I've served him and I'm asking him for this and he hadn't done it yet. I don't know what's going on here. I think I deserve better. I had somebody tell me one time, I deserve to be happy. I said, no, you don't. You deserve to go to hell. It's only by the grace and mercy of God that you're not there right now. So they're irritated with Jesus and they go and wake him up and say, don't you care whether or not we die? I'll put it in Paul's words, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. They're right there in the presence of Jesus. He's not going down with the boat because that is not the plan of God for saving the world. But the storm overwhelmed them. The waves overwhelmed them. It was desperate. If you have not found your storm on the sea, if you've not found your desperate moment, I promise you that you will. It will come to you at some point or another. And the key to the whole thing is, understand that the one that's on the boat with you is more than your storm. He's more than the wind. He's more than the rain. He's more than the waves. He's more. And he will always be more. The beautiful part of the story to me is not the fact that he stepped up and said, peace be still. That was awesome. But the beautiful part of that story is when they got to the other side and they landed the boat in the land of the Gadarenes, there came a man running up who was only known in the scripture as legion because he was so bound by spirits. But when he ran up and fell down at the feet of Jesus and began to worship him, all of a sudden, Jesus was more than the devils that bound him. And he cast them out. I'm telling you, the storm that he solved was not the one on the sea. The storm he wanted to deal with was the one in the heart of the man. Hallelujah. He was more than legion needed. It didn't drain him to cast out those devils. 
That wasn't a big deal to him. He created them. He's the one that kicked them out in the first place. They knew who they were dealing with. They knew what the problem was, and they knew where they were headed. That's why they said, you know, there's some pigs over there. Can we just... And the funny thing was, once they got into pigs, pigs ran in the water and drowned. So they were no better off than if he had just cast them into the pit right then. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded... Grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I've always been intrigued by the way God processed things from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And when I begin to understand that he gave the law to be a line of demarcation. You know, you take a straight edge when you're going to cut lumber because you want to cut it straight. Without that straight edge to measure by, you can get off. I've done that a few times. And it don't fit when you cut it wrong. So he gave us the law to be a straight edge where you could understand what God likes, what God does not like. So the law came and it exposed sin. And it made it plain to everybody, I am a sinner. I have a problem. I got to get things straight with God. But they didn't have a perfect way to deal with that. So sin abounded. Now, the beautiful thing to me, and I'm not a, a Greek scholar at all. I know very little. It's kind of like my Spanish. I know enough Spanish to get in trouble. I can get by. When I went to Mexico this year, I knew enough to get some food and find out where the necessary room was and things like that. I, I can do that. Beyond that, no habla espanol. I'm, I'm not any good. It's just not going to work for me. So when it comes to Greek, I'm pretty much the same way. But in, in looking at this in verse 20, when it said sin did abound, or where sin abounded, the word abounded means it got bigger. Well, that's not a surprise. Abound, it's bigger. But when you move on to the place where it said grace did much more abound, the word changes. And the word then means it exceeds the need. It's a super abundance. It's more. It's more. It doesn't matter how much sin there is. His grace is more. There's always more than enough grace to take care of whatever sin may find its way into your life. I'm telling you today, he's more. As long as sin is in control. Death is the only inevitable outcome. The wages of sin is death. That's, that's the only outcome you can possibly have. Sin ruled mankind. 
But grace, grace made an appearance at the cross of Calvary. When his blood was shed for you and me, grace appeared and a new king stepped on to the scene. And grace is bigger than my sin. Grace is bigger than my failure. Rejoice not against me, O oh mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. It doesn't matter if I get knocked down today. Grace is big enough that I can get back up because he's more to me. He's more than I've ever needed. He's been more than I've ever asked for. I remember as a child, 11, 12 years old, we lived in Rainsville. Everybody had gone to town to buy groceries, and I stayed home. And I was watching this movie, The Miracle at Fatima. Virgin Mary appeared to these kids. Everybody's, oh. Well, in my mind, we didn't go to church. We didn't know what church was. We knew nothing about it. But something in the idea that there was a supernatural appearance to children that had to do with God got a hold of my heart. And so I went over and I opened up the curtains and I knelt down in the floor and I'm looking up. I got tears running down my cheeks and my words were, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Show me, God. Show me. I expected the clouds to roll back and something to appear. And it didn't happen. I didn't know that in just a few years, I would walk down the aisle at a Pentecostal church and there repent of my sin and he would show himself to me. And he was more than I was looking for. He was more than I ever imagined he could be because his grace was bigger than all of my sin. <clears throat> he will always be more. It's Christmas Eve. I don't know what you expect to find under your tree. I know the worst Christmas I ever had living in Rainsville. For whatever reason, Mom and Dad put all of the Christmas presents in my closet. You know what happened. I got in there and I nosed around to find out everything that was in there. On Christmas morning, it was kind of like, yeah, okay. Ruined it for me. So I don't know what it is you're wanting for Christmas. I don't know what you're expecting to find under your tree. But I can tell you this right now. This morning, you can find more than anything that you need at this old-fashioned altar. Whether you need a healing, whether you need deliverance, whether you just need a touch from God, a renewing in your spirit, if you will bring it to Jesus, he will be more than anything that you need. He'll give you more than you ever hoped for. He's more than just a baby in a manger. He's more than my sickness. A year ago, a little over a year and six months or somewhere in that, March of last year, let's just do it that way, they found out I had colon cancer. And uh, 
it was one of those things where there was not a whole lot of time for Hilton to just worry about it. Went into the doctor. My wife gave him my symptoms. He sent me to the ER. They found the mass. Wouldn't let me go home from the hospital. That was on like a Wednesday, I think. She's my memory. That's why I'm asking her. It was somewhere around that time. They told me I had to stay. They did the colonoscopy the next day. They said, it's cancer. We're pretty sure. We had to send off a biopsy. You can't leave the hospital. You got to stay. The next day, they said, you're going to have surgery. It was just like, bang, bang, bang. But can I tell you that not one minute was I afraid? Because he was more than my cancer. In that hospital room praying. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But it will only be the shadow. Death will not touch you. My wife, I didn't know it and she didn't know what God told me. She had a dream, vision, whatever. She woke up and death was standing on her side of the bed reaching over her to get to me and she said you can't have him yet in Jesus name and it left you see God is bigger than my cancer God is bigger than anything that you come up against <clears throat> so we took that sickness we took that disease and we turned it into a point of witness we witnessed to people while I was in the hospital. We witnessed to people in the chemo center when I was doing my chemo treatments. We witnessed to people everywhere we went. People said, well, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I said, stop it. I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate what you're saying, but nothing is coming into my life that God has not already approved. If God let it come to me, he's got a purpose for it, and I can get through it. He'll either take me through it with a shout, or he'll take me out with a shout. Any way it goes, I'm okay, because he's bigger than my immediate problem. Too many times, and I'm going to close, too many times we either leave him in the manger or we leave him hanging on the cross. We leave him walking out of the tomb. But I'm telling you, he's more than all of those things combined. He is my God. He is the creator of the world. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And he's more. And he will always be more. Hallelujah, stand with me. Hallelujah. He's more. He is more. He is more. Hallelujah. What do you need? Whatever it is, he's more. You need a blessing, he's more. You need financial help, he's more. You need a healing in your body, he's more. You messed up this week and you're needing some forgiveness, he's more. He will welcome you with open arms. He gives the parable of the prodigal son for a reason. Daddy didn't wait until the boy was coming to prepare a fatted calf. That takes some time. I've raised cows. They don't get fat overnight. I do. At my age, I can smell a donut and gain weight. I mean, it's just part of the thing. But when you're raising cattle, it takes time to get them to the point that they're 
perfect to butcher. So I believe you will find that often I quote from the book of Regan. It is not in scripture. It's just in my memory or in my imagination. But I see this daddy who loved that boy enough that even though he slapped him in the face and said, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance now. When the boy walked away, I believe daddy took the calf and led him out back and began to fatten him up because he in the hopes that one day that boy would come back because the love of God is greater. The love of God is more than any mistake you may have made. The love of God is more than anything that you may have done. Because he's more. He is always more. Let's pray.